0: Real quick before we start this episode, be sure and check out my channel on Rumble and on YouTube. I'm going to try to offer many of these in a video format as well, so please check out After Hours with Dr. Sigalov on YouTube and on Rumble. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigalov, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you he gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth the views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the u.s army dod nor the u.s government dr Sigiloff was either off duty or on approved leave and dr Sigalov was not in uniform at the time of recording now to dr Sigalov. today we have a very special guest we have john bronstein john is a lieutenant he's currently stationed in korea and he's been there for how long have you been there now
1: uh, approximately 17 months Going on and how long were and
0: you? How long were you supposed to be there? I
1: was supposed to be here for one year. I was a, a one-year unaccompanied tour, is what I
0: have orders for. And that that twelve months has now just extended into seventeen months.
1: Correct. Yeah, it keeps getting involuntarily extended. And I don't An know involuntary if the, foreign service tour extension.
0: Yeah, and that's and I don't know if any if the viewers can kind of see what your background looks like at all there. Um, you, you showed me a little bit more earlier, and it it looked yeah. like straight something straight out of like the CCP. I mean, it's it's like yeah. green walls straight out of the USSR. It's green walls and steel and glass, and it's it looks like a prison. Very
1: much. It is. It's blacked out glass. Yeah, I'm actually here uh, at our tactical site at the moment,
0: and so where we you,
1: operate our equipment.
0: Can you kind of explain to to the, to the listener, and the viewer, why you've been involuntarily extended.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I continue to be involuntarily extended here in Korea. Uh, My D-Rose, or my estimated time to return from overseas, was actually 16 December. Um, I wasn't able to make that because I have a pending religious accommodation request for the COVID vaccine, which I put in September uh, is when I made my original request. So um, I'm sure some of the viewers are familiar with um, XORD 225-21 COVID steady state operations. Uh, FRAGO 10 came out three weeks before I was about to PCS and go home to my family. Uh, Frago 10 states that any service member with, uh, in, with that's in the PCS window, stationed OCONUS with a pending vaccine exemption is not to PCS without an ETP or exception to policy from the undersecretary of the army. So
0: that so, stopped me in my tracks. So you have to get permission from the guy who's like Not in charge of the army, but his help. Yes, correct. Him personally, he has to sign your piece of paper.
1: He is the authorizing uh, authority for me to be able to leave Korea.
0: So essentially that has... And that
1: ETP request... Sorry. No, go ahead. That ETP request uh, has been sitting with him. It was submitted in January. So about a little less than a month after I was supposed to leave and go home.
0: Have you heard any updates? Like, is it on his desk? Is he contemplating? Is he thinking? Is he mulling it over?
1: So as far as I'm aware, it is uh, there. But um, I have no idea how close it is to actually being processed. Um, I've heard from outside reliable sources that absolutely none of those ETPs are getting approved. Mine has to be among the first as well, because like I said, I was supposed to leave three weeks uh, before this got, or before this got put out three weeks before I was supposed to leave. Um, My command had no idea what the ETP should look like. I had to wait a couple weeks because I kept getting a revised template uh, to send, up to brigade and um yeah so by the time we got that submitted it was in january so there's no way to know um at this point it's just sit and wait uh my commander at the time uh, he just left and got changed out with another commander um a couple days ago but every day you know we you know or every other day we just talk on the phone briefly and he just tell me look john you know i'm uh, eagerly uh, awaiting your ETP or, or to hear back
0: on your original uh, request. Is he actively asking for anything? Is he sending emails and requesting, hey, my soldier's been here for months past his required time on a hardship duty to begin with, and so we're making that hardship extra hard?
1: Um, there was a few back and forth emails that I saw. I was CC'd. I, I asked him to CC me in some email traffic. Uh, he he made my situation very apparent in my ETP request. I made it very apparent that this was urgent, um, that this was uh, kind of a hot uh, issue because I have a family, you know, at home. And at the time, um, you know, it, 7 month old daughter.
0: that us talk a love little bit. To, oh yeah, I'm sure. I mean, these are this is an important time in life. Tell me a little bit about your family. Not not too many details, but you know, the situation with your daughter, you know how old she is and and how much yeah, you've been sure. around so, for to see it.
1: Yeah. Um so uh me and my wife, uh, I we have a five-year-old who is my stepson, and we have um, a 10-month-old daughter. And I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, go on paternity leave and make it home to see the birth of my daughter. Um, so I was home for a month, about a month for that. We're, we're granted uh, currently 21 days of paternity leave. And I took some days on the front end to make sure that I was that I would be there for the birth because it was a natural birth, it was a home birth. So we, uh, you know, I, I tried to game it to where we had some a uh, bit of a buffer where I was there uh, early enough to be there, and I was, and it was a beautiful home birth, and it worked out wonderfully. Um, so uh, apart from that month. Um, I actually was allowed to go on leave again recently um, for 30 days in March. Uh, I was approved leave again, despite the fact that uh, I'm not allowed to PCS. I was allowed to take leave somehow to the exact place that I'm not allowed to PCS to because I'm a risk to the force. Um, So in total... Uh, I've gotten to spend uh, two months with my daughter, at which I'm extremely fortunate for. Right. Uh, I, I will say that having to leave uh, in March and come back here was almost unbearable.
0: You're a better man she than me. She was just yeah.
1: getting. She was really. She was just getting to know me at that point. You know.
0: Yeah. You're a better man than me. I'd. Would have probably had to have been arrested, to tell you the truth.
1: I contemplated it every day that I was there. It was actually hard to enjoy my time there, knowing I would just have to leave again. I missed her crawling. She started crawling the day I la- The day after I left.
0: Let's go back to the home birth because I think that's a that is an amazing thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So
1: it was incredible. Yeah.
0: Share a little bit of why your so wife she, uh, wanted that.
1: Yeah, so my wife had uh, a traumatic experience with her firstborn in a hospital. Uh, Didn't go well at all. Uh, Long story short, uh, super, super unqualified night crew. And the doctor was out of town at the time. Um, She was in labor for an extremely long time. And uh, so, yeah, it was a traumatic experience. So uh, she decided after that. Um, that, uh, her next birth, if she ever had one would be a home birth. Um, so, uh, being the height of the pandemic, you know, she had mentioned to me that she was interested in a home birth. Um, TRICARE won't cover home births. It's almost impossible to get it covered through TRICARE, but I wanted to give her the home birth of her dreams. Um, and it turns out they're actually not that expensive. (laughs) Compared to a hospital birth, um, I think uh, f- uh, to hire the midwife it was four thousand dollars if i 'm not mistaken, what I paid, and uh, I also got her a doula as well, who was also amazing. I think that was like six or eight hundred dollars for the doula, so less than five grand total for the home birth but uh, yeah, so it was a, this is at the height of the of the pandemic, and my wife uh, and I have been strongly against all of these, uh, draconian COVID, um, policies and and measures that were taking place, especially in hospitals. My wife had heard that mothers were being separated and not able to, to be with their babies upon birth, uh, if they had tested positive for COVID, uh, before the birthing process. And that was the last little push that we needed to, uh, to go forth and seek out a midwife and, uh, do the home birth thing. Um, it was supposed to be a water birth, but, um, it happened. The whole thing happened so fast that, uh, she, she started going into labor and I called the midwife and I was like, Hey, she's going into labor. Her, her water just broke. Um, she actually put on, she bought, uh, this thing. It was called like Christian hypno baby birth or something like that. And within, she started to to go into active contractions. And within minutes of listening to that, her water broke. I called the midwife because that was what we were instructed to do. She happened to be a little bit farther away uh, than was ideal. She said she would try to be there as soon as possible and that the doula would be on the way. And uh, they worked closely with each other. So the doula's on the way. And uh, yeah, so her water's breaking. She's going into active labor. It's just me and her there. So I start filling up the the tub. I start filling up the tub, and um, I'm taught. She's like, you know, I'll just I'll stay on the phone with you. And she told me she was actually amazed at how calm I was <laughs> through this whole process. <laughs> she's like, usually usually the husbands are freaking yeah. out, you know, in the situation. I was like, yeah, I guess it's my job. Uh, Wait, and
0: and for a, the for you and for the the listeners, like I've delivered quite a few babies. Second, third, yeah. fourth baby happens quick.
1: Oh, it was so, it was surprisingly quick. It felt like 15 minutes. It may have been a half hour after she broke, after her water broke. It was insane. Um, Actually, the baby started coming out. So she said she thought she had to go to the bathroom. She went to the bathroom. That's a baby. It was the baby coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm like standing there uh, trying to. Process what is going on, and, and and waiting for the tub to fill up. The, the The tub had probably this much water in it when the baby started to come out. And as soon as the baby, as soon as I started to see the baby's head, the doula gets there. Perfect timing. And she's like, "I'm here, I'm here." And I, I'm at the, at the top of the stairs um, in the bathroom. And I was like, "Okay, we're up here." She runs up there, literally catches the baby. She's like, "I need you to hop off the toilet for me." Catches the baby right as it's coming out. Impeccable timing. Impeccable. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it all, it all actually went extremely smooth. Uh, and then we just kind of stayed with, uh, the baby. Um, we didn't cut the umbilical cord or anything until the midwife, uh, got there. And yeah, it was all smooth sailing from there, which is uh, a beautiful experience.
0: you no kidding. And and if there's anyone listening, it's, um, I used to be kind of leery of that. I'm a little more comfortable with it as long as there's no issues during pregnancy i think if you have issues during pregnancy you do need to get medical help because there are some that can kill either the mom or the baby or both um but also knowing midwives and doulas especially in the coming time frame and i don't know what that means I just the upcoming future with the next year two years it might be good to either know those skills or know someone who knows those skills you know to kind of give you a reference like my great-grandmother she was her mother was coming from San Angelo to San Antonio in a covered wagon and gave birth to my great grandmother. And wow. hopefully we <laughs> never go back to times like that, but that, that may not be out <laughs> of the may. question.
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah. So it was a beautiful experience. And, um, through that experience, she actually decided that, um, she wanted to do that for a living. She said she felt like it was her calling and so she has now decided to go back to school uh, to become a certified midwife and, and deliver. And um, yeah, so she, unfortunately, she can't do that until I get home because it's a two-year program. It's mostly online, but there's uh, in-person births and clinical hours she has to attend. And if she has to attend a birth in the middle of the night, I'm not there to watch the kids. How is she going to go to school? So that is kind of on hold until I get back as well. Uh, but yeah, she, she, and I think one reason, like you said, I mean, the home birth can be a risk, especially if, uh, they have certain risk factors, but my wife was extremely fit. I mean, she worked out five days a week all the way up until she had the baby. Um, and that's something that she's talked about, you know, as well, uh, moving forward in the future for her that she doesn't want to, you know, she definitely has to be careful about the client she takes on for home births and be real with them for that, that those risks for that reason.
0: Right. You don't want to be a cowboy and end up anybody getting hurt or in a situation where you you have to live with that. One thing that, um, if the exercise is great and it's amazing, I love it. And even a a woman being pregnant is her at peak performance for, for, for what women do, right? Because to become pregnant is, is a herculean task and to make it through pregnancy and to deliver a baby and to breastfeed that whole that whole thing is is women at peak performance but also look into diet uh, we won't get into too much here uh but if you listen to yeah. episode five that i have um and we talk about different dietary options and, and that's something that can help a lot of women who have difficulty getting pregnant not that your wife did at all um and i, I don't think i've asked you yet what do you do for the the army.
1: Okay, so I'm a 14 Alpha, which is an air defense officer. So as a lieutenant, uh, 14 Alpha, you pretty much have two jobs. Excuse me. You ha- you're a platoon leader. Um, typically, I was a platoon leader for sensor platoon, which is the radar for our air defense equipment. And so you're a platoon leader, and you are a tactical control officer, or a TCO meaning uh, you are the engagement authority uh, in the event of a real-world air battle. So if we're shooting stuff down out of the air, um, in my case in Korea, um, it's my call. Uh, what and if we shoot it down?
0: And this is defense? This is
1: strictly defense, Correct. Now. Yeah. So our um, sorry. Okay. No, our um. So our our battery is um, is actually extremely important. Our mission here uh, in Korea. So we're we're the only upper tier ballistic missile defense in the Korean theater of operations. So we have a real world mission, twenty four seven. We have crew rotations where we fly out to a uh, forward operating tactical site and perform our mission and man the equipment. And uh, we protect over 20 different geopolitical assets in the
0: Korean Peninsula. So obviously your job is very important. But what about your particular position doing that job? Is, could someone else come to Korea and relieve you of that? Or is your job so unique? Is your training so unique that that's why they've kept you for this extended period of time?
1: Uh, It's highly possible that that has factored into me still being here uh, conveniently for the army, despite me being a risk to the force. Uh, The fact that they still fly me out to our tactical site, which is arguably the most strategic asset, a theater level asset in all of Korea um, I mean, everything else in Korea is essentially the main effort uh, so, for what we do here.
0: So let me get this straight. Um, You're too dangerous and too much of a risk for you to go home. But you're not too much of a risk to stay where you are, to travel to off-site, remote areas where you're around other people who are vaccinated or not vaccinated. And It's interesting how they can use that against you and for their their benefit and how often that happens.
1: Yeah, it is extremely um, coincidental. Um, Yeah, So I I, I hop on a CH-47 packed full of other soldiers every time I need to fly to site, uh, potentially compromising the pilots, uh, the flight engineers, mechanics, all the other soldiers, uh, everyone here at site, which is the most strategic site, Arguably in Korea. Oh, uh, and I'm allowed to go on leave. Just Just not go home
0: home. permanently.
1: Yeah, I have no restrictions at work though, none. I don't wear a mask. I don't.
0: So what I'm hearing is there's this. There's this discord. There's this this conflict between what the army says and what they do. One hundred percent. Am I getting that right? Yes. You know, yeah. I don't know if you're a Jordan Peterson listener, but he said that it doesn't matter what you think you believe, it matters what you do, because what you do is what you actually believe. Correct. Yeah. And so... In practice. Right. Yeah. It would seem that the army actually believes that you're not a danger, but it would seem that they are... Oh, yeah. ...trying to twist your arm to get you to do something that you don't feel comfortable doing, that you believe is a grave moral injury. Mm-hmm. This is
1: despite the fact that um, out of our entire brigade, uh, three cases of COVID were from unvaccinated individuals. That's it. it I, I forgot exactly what the numbers were.
0: How big the brigade? It, just wh- for reference.
1: Um. So it probably 300 so people
0: and only three were unvaccinated three Mm. yeah and how did they do
1: um oh they were fine they were completely fine
0: did they know they were sick or did they have to have asymptomatic testing to to inform them that they carry this disease no so
1: i i i was one of them uh i tested positive for covid uh right before uh, flying here to Korea. Um, and I was completely asymptomatic, never felt anything. And I mean, and, in, in, in my personal opinion, it was a false positive. Um, but I, I was completely fine. I was like itching to get back into the gym and hurry up and get to Korea so that I could hurry up and get back.
0: So like 17 months ago, you tested positive and you recovered from it and you, you're, you're doing great since then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have a documented recovered case.
0: Um, yeah. And did you have and any meanwhile, treatment? Did they offer you any treatment at the time? No. Of course not. No, no treatment. Yeah. No.
1: And um, yeah. Meanwhile, I was just talking to two other soldiers today, both vaccinated, of course. And uh, one of them had said he had COVID four times since being vaccinated. The other said
0: he had had it twice, and you've only ever had it once, one time. Yeah. And were they symptomatic when they allegedly had it, or are they, actually yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, they, they were they, sick.
1: They, they said they actually got pretty sick.
0: Yeah. Hmm. So the unvaccinated man didn't even know he had it. Had to be tested against his will and told he had it. Whereas these other guys who are doing what they want them to do to get this it's not a it's not a vaccine to get this injection. Um, I'm contemplating calling it a bioweapon because it's hard to believe it's anything else. I am not quite ready to commit not quite ready to commit to calling it a bioweapon. But I'm gonna be putting some information out soon of how CRISPR is in it. Or at least there's documents that show CRISPR could be in it. And mm, mm-hmm. Fosun Pharmaceuticals, which is a Chinese-owned company, helped develop it with Pfizer-BioNTech. And now, and my stance on on this is, with those two bits of information, if any of that's correct, we shouldn't even allow soldiers to get it. We should ban them and bar them from getting it. Because it could be a bioweapon. Absolutely. Could be a bioweapon developed by our enemy And there's laws that prevent the U.S. government from purchasing things from Communist China to put into or to give to soldiers to wear, to put in their bodies, or things like that. And those laws seem to not be followed.
1: Agreed. Yeah. It definitely seems uh, to be more of a risk to the force uh, to continue to vaccinate our service members. It almost seems like it did nothing but lower their immunity from what i've seen almost everyone in my battery that i work with immediately um uh, has had covid minimum one to two times since being vaccinated double vaccinated boosted etc i've had so so several soldiers know my stance on the vaccines and they've come to me uh seeking help or guidance um that didn't want to get it. That that gave in eventually, and then came back to me, afraid because they were having adverse effects.
0: Um, it's tragic, I, I, yeah. Because yes. I, I've heard stories. I think I think you may have told me a story, but I also know a story of a buddy of mine who, you know, the army puts this pressure on you to to do this, do it, do it, do it, and then finally, when you do get the shot, and let's say you get injured, either morally, which is a huge issue or even physically and you start having heart issues, well now you're you're tainted goods and we don't want you. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Like um
1: uh, like uh Dr. Teresa Long talked about, you know, these pilots are getting uh physically debilitating career-ending injuries from taking this
0: vaccine. Um she was telling me just yeah. the other day, because I was I was on the phone with her and She's having a tough time talking, you know, hearing all these tragic stories because she's she's been against doing this. And mm-hmm. this this young man, early mid-20s, was grounded. He's a pilot. And he was grounded, and he, he was he was saying, like, I, I did what you told me to, and you're punishing me. And and even because the army was was the world to to him and so many. But even bigger than that we don't know what the long-term effects will be. We don't know how long this will affect him. You know, if, he's, if this is a guy that has heart issues, how long will those heart issues, will that shorten his life? Because often myocarditis sh- shortens your life.
1: Absolutely. So um, I, I woke up this morning and I, I found out that uh, Terminal CWO was, was um, hosting a live stream um, and I, I tuned in to listen to that. Uh, I didn't get to speak, but, uh, he did mention my case, but, um, at, at the end there, I listened to, um, uh, a captain who mentioned, um, getting, uh, what I believe it was called, uh, tum- tumorescent muscular sclerosis. Basically, uh, after the vaccine, uh, he developed tumor-like lesions on his brain. Um, And so now they are trying to uh, separate him uh, without retirement, uh, denying him medical retirement. Um, So now he has this uh, permanent debilitating injury, and he will likely have no... uh, No recourse no benefits and uh yeah no recourse from
0: that and one thing i don't remind everybody in case anybody hasn't heard this or forgot this there was a case a legal case in i believe it was france where this man got the shot and then he died and the surviving family i think it was his wife tried to get life insurance to help cover costs they went to court and the judge stated that it was equivalent to a suicide because he voluntarily entered an experimental program and when you voluntarily yes, enter, ex- enter an enter an experimental program it's as if you committed suicide not that he did commit suicide but for the law for the legal reasons it's as if he committed suicide so she gets no payment and i've been counseling patients for um a year or well, whenever the shots first came out that to be careful and make sure you understand that you will get coverage under insurance because this is an experimental treatment there is no approved fda approved and even if there was i still wouldn't take it because it's the same garbage but if it's absolutely eua they don't have to cover anything because you're doing an experiment that's outside normal medicine it is dangerous behavior it's almost like jumping out of an airplane it's da- it's probably more dangerous than jumping out of an airplane yeah, it's like Russian roulette. Cuz I've jumped out of an airplane 5 times and didn't break a leg.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like playing But Russian I won't get one of these. And um no, yeah, absolutely not. Um I was explaining that uh to a fellow soldier of mine earlier today and uh after we talked about this for a few um he actually told me he's like, "Man, you know, I, I really regret getting it now." He's like, "I regret getting it." Um, for a lot of reasons. He's like, for health reasons, but also, um, he's like, I feel like if more people would have known would have known and refused, uh, we wouldn't be where we are today. The reality is most of these soldiers don't really understand you know, uh, the workings of how emergency use authorization products work. And well, you're
0: supposed, right, your... right. and you're supposed to be able to trust your...
1: rights refuse.
0: Right. You're supposed to be able to trust your... Superior officers, you're supposed to be able to trust your doctor that he's going to do or she's going to do the work that's required to say, hey, this is safe and effective. Like, even that statement is wrong. They should be telling you it's it's safe and efficacious, which it's not efficacious. Efficacious is the word that says, that explains its ability to prevent illness. It has negative efficacy. It it increases your risk of becoming infected, which I knew that. Because when you do a patent search on some of the lipid nanoparticles that are in it, back in 2014, they knew that it caused suppression of the immune system. They knew it caused disseminated intravascular coagulation, which is little clots going everywhere, and we see that. And when you suppress the immune Mm -hmm. system, you don't just get infections, you also get cancer.
1: Mm. Yes, as we saw in the DMED data is up, what was it, like 500%?
0: Yeah, I don't remember the specific numbers, but it's... It was, it was high. It was a drastic spike in, in cancer as well. It was interesting when the, um, the army published a, or the DOD published a new form that said, here, this is what the real num- numbers are. The numbers they gave, I think it was for uh, testicular cancer, still went up 3%, which is striking. Like something should make the entire force go, whoa, why are we causing testicles to have cancer at 3%? But the DMED data that was published by um, the three whistleblowers went up 1,000%, 300%, 900%, depending on the various illnesses. And those numbers may be wrong. Those numbers may be even higher than they should have been if you look back into history. And the DMED may have actually been changed a year before we even knew it. And they may have migrated servers to cover the fact, to remove those digital fingerprints so you can't see that the data was changed?
1: Entirely possible. Entirely possible. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and you, you spoke on the negative e- efficacy. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it was a Sweden out of, it was a study out of Sweden that I that I read recently that stated um, the negative efficacy uh, negative vaccine effectiveness after 90 days it showed something like negative negative 70 percent vaccine effectiveness for the pfizer vaccine after 90 or 90
0: to 150 days later right and and also another Um, thing that nobody seems to understand what this is they call it mrna as if it stands for messenger rna but in this instance when they use mrna and you look a little asterisk next to that those letters, and you look down at the bottom of the page, it says nucleoside modified RNA. And what that means is it's RNA that does not exist in, in nature. And so your body can't break it down. And if you ever heard Todd Callender, he's done quite a few interviews in various places. I encourage you to go check him out. He, he talks about how when you change the DNA of a living organism, legally, you own that organism. That's a 13th Amendment issue. That's slavery. The patent holder owns Mm. that organism. And we see that with Monsanto. If you know anything about them and how they patented their their plants. And so, like, let's say farmer over there growing Monsanto and his corn flies into my field and starts growing. I could be sued for patent infringement if I sell his corn. Because it's not his corn, it's Monsanto's corn that he's growing. Because well, Monsanto, but you're not supposed to be able to patent nature. But it's not nature if you change the DNA. Right. And we now know, for a fact, tested in a lab, that human DNA from a human cell, and this is a cancer cell, and you know, I mean there's some pre-qualifiers, but we know that human cells can be changed in a lab after six hours of exposure to Pfizer. Hmm. And I have documents that show that that there's not even a spike protein inside of Pfizer, an entire spike protein, to do what they said. But there actually is, in fact, CRISPR protein, which is designed to go into your genome, cut out what they've decided to cut it out, and paste in whatever they want to paste in there. Which would change that person's DNA, which Mm -hmm. I refer back to in my episode 9. Are you still human? maybe not in the eyes of the law, Mm -hmm. but in God's eyes, you are always a child of God and there's always redemption with Jesus. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I feel, I feel so bad for the people um, that, that took this without really knowing, uh, the consequences, uh, potential risks involved. Um, but I, I I pray for them, but I also have belief that, um, our bodies are, are capable of, of bouncing back from almost anything given the opportunity. So I am, I am hopeful for them. There's always hope. I don't think it's, it's not a death sentence. Um,
0: And even if that hope is not on this earth, which I believe there is hope on this earth, there's still redemption for your your soul. Dr. Long, I was talking to her not too long ago, and her dad's kind of in a bad bad health place. And and he said this. He doesn't feel... how, How did he say it? He said, don't... The, the people that got the shot are not the actual victims. The people who got the shot and don't know Jesus are the real victims. Because, and his point at that is, if you, if this does do bad things to your body, and you know Jesus, you know you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, as Christians, that we're not protected from all bad things on earth. Mm-hmm. But, we have a better life now because God makes it better for us, even if that's only um mentally better to be able to handle it, because we know that our, our strength does not come from us but from from God. But we know that there's redemption and that our soul won't it won't be the end. Life will continue for those who believe in I Jesus. I agree. I agree.
1: Yep. There's a saying but I like it said, it's, uh, it goes, if you pray, why worry? If you worry, why pray?
0: Right. This is something that I see often in my practice in personal life is we worry, we hold it. We carry this, this big boulder with us and we, right. oh, my precious, we give it to God and then we take it right back and then we give it to God and then we take it right back and then we, and, <laughs> and, and it. And you see that reflected through the entire Old Testament with with the Israelites. They give it to God and they take it right back, and then they're worshiping a mm-hmm. a cow. And it's like, guys, you just you just got out of the desert, you, you just got out of Egypt, you just got you know. But that's us every single day. They're no different than right. you and me. They're no right. different. Right. Yeah.
1: I, you know, I, I meant to, I meant to bring this up earlier. Um, I haven't asked him yet, but I remember I mentioned to you, uh, another individual I think that would be great for you to have on, um, yeah. who was injured from the vaccine. Um, his command team told him that he had to be vaccinated in order to go on leave.
0: This is Which, the same time frame again, that you where, weren't
1: vaccinated. Where's the consistency? Yeah. I was allowed to go on leave without being vaccinated. Um, just needed a negative COVID test, uh, to, to make the flight. So, Korea um,
0: did not let you back in.
1: Right. I was, I was praying, um, praying something would happen along yeah. those lines while I was gone or, you know, I don't know, but yeah, so he, he, he was stationed here in Korea as well. Uh, they wouldn't let him go home without the vaccine. He, uh, reluctantly got the vaccine and, Lo and behold, within 24 hours, he had a severe bout of myocarditis. uh, He explained to me is the equivalent of a heart attack. Uh, And then after that, so he he recovered and uh, they then issued him a GOMAR and threatened to separate him if he didn't get the second shot. (laughs) And he's like what do you mean? Like, I just had a heart attack. Like why would I get the second shot?
0: Are they medical professionals? Uh, so he ended they up know. fighting. Yeah. This is, yeah.
1: So they, uh, he, he fought that for months, uh, got his Gomar rescinded. And now, uh, he has a medical exemption for the vaccine.
0: Really? Those are a few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what landed me in the situation I'm in. I was given those out. Um, almost like Ralph Wallenberg or Raul Wallenberg sorry. just Raul, yeah. Uh, because if you didn't want to get it why should you be forced to do something that would be legal or coerced it's not really forced yet um, but it, it would right. be it would be I wouldn't be able to sleep at night and look myself in the mirror if I didn't offer some way to help people but, yeah what I'm going through is nothing compared to what you and what Shane went through and, and are going through. And yeah,
1: well, yeah. I just want to say this. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. there's been a lot of talk of, of commands, um, you know, wrongfully, uh, treating service members who, uh, refused such as myself. They have religion, they have re- religious or, or medical reasons or for, to aversions to the vaccine. And, um, there's been a lot of nasty, uh, coercion, but my command has been, I'm lucky, uh, very um, seemingly understanding, and um, I haven't experienced any of that. My, so my, my re- original religious accommodation request is actually one of two in our entire brigade uh, that was approved through the brigade level. So my immediate commander approved, chaplain approved. Battalion commander approved and brigade commander all approved it. I, I, have su- I have suspicions that that's why maybe I haven't heard back yet um, at all even though it's been so long and others have received denials for their appeals yet I've yet to hear anything. I think that that uh, brigade approval maybe carries a little bit of weight in their given that in my job here. Um, it's almost like they're trying to deny the easy ones first
0: i don't know yeah just say no yeah and and that may be yeah part of the reason why you're feeling this pressure on you of staying there extra long because yeah i mean it's a year and a
1: half at this point and there's no there's no end in sight
0: when can you get out of the, the military do you have any obligation left
1: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have a, let's see, I've been in for two years. Um, I, I, I have a seven-year obligation because I signed a three-year additional service obligation to get my branch of choice, which was air defense. Mm-hmm. So it was four plus three, seven-year obligation. So that's maybe, all maybe,
0: completely up in the air. Maybe still looking to unqualified resignation. See if they'll, they'll take that.
1: So I, I I was going to. My commander suggested it. And for those people, it, that it's have, actually funny. Yeah, go ahead. All right, I, I was going to say, it's actually funny. I mean, you spoke about Shane and 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 a little bit about my job here and and what I do, the importance of what I do. It's it's ironic that uh, we got linked up when we did, and be, because I, you know, I didn't realize that he he works on the helicopters that fly me out here, and he could have very well. You know, been on multiple flights, uh, flying me out here to do my job. <laughs> so now you have two risk to the force.
0: <laughs> and that's interesting that you, you say it like that because I did receive an email from I can't remember if it was. I think it was Army, could have been Air Force, but he he looked in his med pros. He did he did not get the shot. He was is not has not will not ever get the shot. And he looked in his med pros, and it says that he has one of them he just happened to look and it says that he has one (laughs) and so that makes you begin to wonder is this 90 something percent immunization rate is that accurate or is that them lying to us Mm -hmm. to make us feel more isolated so that we can feel more pressured to give in to something that isn't as popular as they think it is
1: there sure seems to be a lot more of us than uh, the numbers lead us to believe. I mean, in my immediate battery, uh, we had four refusals, including myself. One of them gave in and got the vaccine. Uh, he's been having some negative effects, um, fainting, dizzy spells, things like this since he got his first shot. Uh, never any, you know, prior issues before the vaccine. Um, Oddly enough, right now with me, um, we have another operator that works directly on crew with me, uh, an LCS operator, which is our launcher control station uh, for the air defense equipment. Uh, He's refused. Um, He's been denied both his uh, original request and his appeal but he's out here as well. So, so there, there may be versus, a way
0: for any of those uh, people who don't want to get it, who have a documented case of becoming ill from COVID, there may be a way that they can all become secondary plaintiffs in Robert versus Austin. Yeah. Um, because you would have prior remedy at that point, so y- y- you can claim, hey, whatever the, this judgment is, I want that judgment also because... I also got ill from this and recovered.
1: Yeah, that would be tremendous. Uh, I would qualify for that. I would hop on that.
0: So let me, In yeah, a send, me send me your email and I'll, I'll get you some stuff. that can help, help yeah, you for figure sure. that out. For sure. And yeah, will do. Um, I, go ahead. One thing I want to make really clear is there are some people that, that call themselves pure bloods, And I, I'm not a huge fan of that. And they, they use that term to say, oh, well, I never got the shot. Right. You know, in, in a in a quick hand, fast way of talking. Okay, I get it. You could just say I didn't get the shot, but I think it's important not to use that because then that that splits us, that pulls us apart, yes. and and that makes it to where the people that were tricked into getting this who are who are already feeling awful and alone and isolated and often physically ill, it makes them feel more isolated. And right now we need.
1: I almost feel worse for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do too, because I, I know where I would be if I got this Absolutely. against my will. And it, and then I got ill because of it. And then I can't, let's say, spend time with my family like I want, you know, like I know you're not spending time with your family, but you have years mm-hmm. as, a, yeah. as your normal I was wife talking to my
1: wife earlier and I was like, what if it was me who now I have lesions on my brain?
0: Uh, that or, could have very well been me, or the myocarditis, which could shorten your life to just the next five years. Absolutely, drastically shorten my life.
1: It's terrifying. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it's crazy. Um, most soldiers I talk to, and I don't, I don't know if it's just you know, um, things have been going on so long that soldiers are just speaking their mind now, or if they, what what it is, but almost if if it seems like 80, percent 90% even of soldiers that I talked to didn't want the vaccine at all. That all, that all was some form of coercion as to why they got the vaccine. You know, they have a religious aversion, uh, practical, uh, aversion to the vaccine, and uh, they all almost regret taking it. A lot of them have, you know, a baseline of knowledge of, you know, they know things are, they know it's not, um the the, the safety trials are not complete. They know there's a lot of talk of injuries, and it's kind of like um, no one just no one wants to talk about it. Uh, and it's just kind of, it's like w- with the 80% that I talk to that uh, it, it, it's like they, it's almost like a relief that they can like get these feelings off their chest. Like, cause no one else is talking to them about it. And then there's the other 20% that I can, I almost, I see an immediate change in their demeanor and their face and immediately they're done talking about it. They don't want to think about it. They want to put it out of their mind. It's like, Boom! There's a block, and the conversation is almost over immediately. Can when you blame it? Gets them up.
0: I mean, no, I can't blame them. I'm getting hammered by my colleagues, uh, army doctors, military doctors, and and I, what they're doing is wrong. Let, let me just state that first. What they're doing is wrong. They're actually making up lies about and all sorts of garbage. But <laughs> but put yourself in this mental place, and and it makes it a little easier to understand. What if you were tricked? like let's say I was tricked and I got this and then I gave it to my family and then I told all my patients, hey, you should get this. And then I've come across information that says I may have put a ticking time bomb in myself, my family, my kids, all of my patients. That is a bridge too far to be able to, to have your eyes to be able to spiritually open to, to see that it's a problem because you know deep down inside that it, that's the potential and so you'll willfully never look at that.
1: You just froze there for a second.
0: Sorry, can okay, you say I think that again? we're good. Yeah, yeah. Say that one more time. Which part?
1: Oh, uh, just the last fifteen seconds.
0: So it's it's a, bit. it's a bridge too far to be able to even op- to begin to open your eyes, because deep down inside you know that's the potential of what could happen that you could have told everyone, hey, this thing that's as great as sliced bread, no, it, it could actually be a bioweapon that was helped develop by China. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and what's even more interesting, I've come across information that this man who knew this Chinese woman, she came to America, and she was told that if she, by China, if she gets the shot in America, they have a scan or a test or something, and she will not be permitted back into her country. They will turn her around and send her back to America. Well, that's pretty terrifying. Why? Why? They don't want that in their population? Does it spread?
1: You know, me and my, me and my wife, uh, we, we struggle, you know, uh, with this a lot. Um, we're friends with uh, a lot of uh, the neighbors uh, in the new home that we moved into. Um, oh, that's another layer of my situation is I completely uprooted my family and moved them into a new home based upon my orders that I had, uh, my new orders for Fort Hood, Texas, uh, bought a house and then got told just to be told three weeks later that, you know, I'm not allowed to go home. Uh, so my wife with two children had to execute the move by herself, uprooted them, moved them away from home, away from family. I had, uh, when I, when I first was coming out here in September, when I submitted my original request, um, I, I, was, you know, so we, when we're sent out here, I live in a room that's pretty tight. Uh, we're, we're about four to six to a very small room, about a better room, not much bigger than the room that I'm in now. Um, sharing a space. Um, I got extremely sick for days i didn't know what was wrong with me and i was telling my wife i'm convinced that it has something to do with me being around all these vaccinated personnel and just breathing in the same you know circulating the same air and uh I, i eventually developed a rash on my stomach extremely painful um i went to the the korean doctor here um at sight and uh because I didn't know what I thought maybe it was staff. Our medics didn't know what it was or have anything to treat it. And uh he told me with almost ninety-nine percent certainty that it was shingles. Yeah. Uh is, so they was gave it me on some, one side
0: of your body or was it
1: it was a very small. It was only like this big on my stomach, right next to my belly button, but kind of a little bit lower.
0: It kind of went like all the Right way there in this. my abdomen. Huh? It kind of like start in the middle of your back and come around
1: it. No, it didn't, it didn't wrap around at all. It was localized to one small spot, Hmm. extremely painful. But he told me I'm 99% sure. He said, I'm not a dermatologist. So I can't tell you with hundred percent certainty, but I think it's shingles. So he, he gave me some, um, antiviral cream. He said, stop taking the hydrocortisone. It's not going to do anything. Uh, take this antiviral cream. And it, it helped, you know, it helped almost immediately. And, um, do you know anybody, they, they, they prescribed me some, go ahead, go do ahead. you know
0: anybody that's had shingles? No. Cause there's been a lot of shingles lately. Has there
1: been? So I, this came, I mean, I, I was convinced it had something to do with my exposure, and uh, to this so, environment that I'm in.
0: So shingles is, it is when you get chicken pox, mm. it's a DNA it's virus. Again. There we go. When you have chicken pox. Uh, it's a DNA virus. And and this kind of will lead into the next thought that I'm going to say right after this. But it's a DNA virus, and it, it's over your entire body. It's usually not too bad when you're a kid. If you get in as adult for the first time, chickenpox is usually really awful. But it goes into your dorsal root ganglion. So along your spinal column, you've got you get the column, and then just outside, there's these little nerve fibers that go down. And it, it goes into the those and it stays in there and it goes into the dna and it stays in your d in your dna forever and then when your immune system gets knocked down from stress physical stress emotional stress i i got shingles when i was uh in med school just before my first licensure exam i kept telling myself i'm not stressed Mm. you know cognitively i didn't think i was stressed but my body said yes you are let me show you so you're stressed and had shingles usually what 65 year old men get so stress is certainly a part yeah. of that. And and so what we know about DNA viruses, let's say Epstein-Barr, let's say um, shingles, it's DNA. It very easily goes right into your nucleus and inserts itself into your DNA. Mm-hmm. Now, what is J&J? J&J is a adenovirus. That's the envelope on the outside. They took a real virus and they put DNA inside of it. What is that DNA? I don't know what it does. Is there a chance that it could easily just go right into your nucleus and insert itself into your DNA? Just like DNA viruses always do? Wow. That is why AstraZeneca and J&J are more terrifying. However, there seems to be this belief that, oh, well, it's not RNA and it's one and done. So it's not a big deal, right? No, it's actually more Mm -hmm. terrifying because there's no intermediate steps. It just goes in there and puts itself in there.
1: Mm. Yeah, that is actually terrifying.
0: Now, what are the implications of that? I don't know. It may be nothing because I walk around with with my genome changed because of chickenpox. Yeah. It doesn't go to my kids. What does this one do? I don't know. It's been man-made right who did it why they do it hey what is um, it? real quick, quick
1: do you yeah. do you mind i'm gonna have to take i'm gonna have to
0: take uh
1: the headphones out for okay. a period of time because my phone is dying
0: okay well we can we can wrap i up. have
1: to i had to do this on my phone so okay <laughs> so is there anything okay, else that I you'd understand.
0: like to leave us with before we have to leave
1: um, no, it's just that you know I would love to spread uh, awareness um, about you know the all the the hundreds of, of service members out there like myself that are stuck overseas, um, many of them uh, away from family. In my case, away from uh, their children. Uh, I, you know, I have a ten month old daughter. Like I previously stated, that that barely knows me because of this. Uh, I missed her crawling. Um, I'm about to miss her walking, and I'm also about to miss her first birthday. Um, for simply requesting uh, religious accommodation, um,
0: for asking for the law to which, be followed, the law that's already yeah, in the books,
1: and, and, and not yeah, just refusing to comply with an unlawful order. I just wanna, I just want them to follow the law. And um, you know, it's it's so odd that you know religious. <laughs> Religious exemptions have uh, been around for, you know, 50 plus years, but all of a sudden now they don't exist anymore. Um, all of a sudden now uh, natural immunity for people like myself, you know, AR40-562 is not null and void, uh, I guess. So it's just, it's also odd, but um, yeah, the, the I would love to highlight uh, I, I, everyone, you know, most people... Uh, are probably already tracking this but I just want to highlight the logical inconsistencies in, in all of this like I am not allowed to go home but I go to work every day at the most strategic site in all of Korea uh, but I'm a risk to the force but I can't go home but I can go on leave I mean where where is the where is the consistency here um it, it, by by their logic if I'm truly a risk of the force, I should be at home teleworking, and I shouldn't. I sh- definitely should never come out, you know, to our tactical site. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I just want to spread awareness, and um, I know there's a lot of people out there um, that have similar situations, um, uh, that are in a lot of really hard situations. I know there's a lot of. Uh, service members that have committed suicide you know from the draconian measures that have been implied from the covid mandates uh i think if my numbers are correct it was like 708 suicides last year um and i'm not surprised uh uh, there was a period of time where our entire battery was locked down for almost two months these soldiers weren't even allowed to go outside you get to go outside for you know an hour a day when you're in jail They weren't allowed to leave their rooms. Soldiers, there were many cries for help. I saw what it was doing to the soldiers. Um, It's just devastating. And I understand, you know, uh, why a lot of these service members um, commit suicide. You know, it feels like no one cares. It feels like no one cares about my situation. No one cares about my family. Is what it feels like. No one cares about if I get, can get home to them. You know, my wife deserves her husband. My daughter deserves her father. You know, uh, it's so sad. Um, yeah. And in my wife, you know, she she struggled mentally with this, and I mean, she she's um to the point where she was so stressed out at one time she was uh, mentioning hurting herself, and I told my command about this. I asked if it was possible to get a compassionate reassignment. I was told that it wouldn't matter. Even if I was granted a compassionate reassignment, I would still need the ETP in order to PCS and go home to my family. Also, I I have a, a statement of negative impact from my gaining unit commander, which states that their unit's mission is negatively impacted by my absence and that they want me regardless of vaccination status. But here I am, <laughs> stuck in Korea.
0: And and that's one thing that the enemy wants, and the enemy, I use that term in a very generic term, is it an earthly enemy? Potentially, it's certainly a spiritual enemy. Wants us to feel like no one cares. Sure. And wants to isolate us. and And use every tactic to twist your arm into compliance. But the good news is that our strength doesn't come from ourselves. And, and there's this idea that, that has been said often that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. That's false. That's wrong. You know, if you look at the shirt, there's bars, weights. If you, if you ever go to the gym and your goal is to, to pick up something that you can pick up, then you'll never get stronger. And so God does give us more than we can handle. But he also gives us the strength to handle, to, to get through it so that the next day we're stronger. And when you're in the gym and you feel awful and you're just like, you feel like you're going to die from lifting so much weights, you feel weak, but you're changing your body chemistry. You're actually having new genes be expressed, more proteins, more hormones, everything, and changing the chemistry of your body, changing the structure of your bones and your muscles and making everything stronger. In the same manner also, your brain changes its structure as you go through these hard times and you call upon God to give you this strength. And then you can lift more than you could before.
1: Right. When I pray, I pray for the strength and the opportunity to see my way through this. And I pray for the strength uh, for myself and my family to carry on and and continue the fight.
0: And I will be praying for you and my family will be praying for you. And I'm sure many listeners will be praying for you as well. We are currently in an all-out war in the unseen realm, and even potentially in the seen realm, if this is a bioweapon. And you, you sir, are on the front lines of that. This isn't a war like World War II, where you'd be on the front lines and no one knew, and then you'd be there for a period of time and then come home. This is this is a war that that takes place, unfortunately, in someone some people's homes, where one spouse right. is vaccinated and the other is not and there's that that problem which I I'm glad right. I'm not saddled with that that would be too much for me to handle
1: uh, yeah i thank god that my wife supports me uh, in my conviction to to be vaccine free you know with this thing uh, she's more so she, she's, it, she couldn't be more supportive of my decision. Good. And uh, lucky for me, both of our families as well. They all support me uh, and my decision.
0: Um, so I'm grateful for that. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God, let's all make courage more contagious than fear.